0: Hi, I'm Kristen Hodgden, an IVF mom, proud fertility advocate, and co-founder of Rescripted. Welcome to Dear Infertility, the first ever podcast that doubles as an advice column for fertility, infertility, and pregnancy loss. This season, we're going back to our roots, highlighting personal fertility stories from those who have been there through IVF, egg freezing, donor conception, surrogacy, and more. Now let's dive in and work towards ending the stigma around fertility, infertility, and pregnancy loss. Getting through the two-week wait after an embryo transfer can be hard. Leaning on your support system, keeping busy, and being kind to yourself is key. I'm Dr. Mackenzie Purdy, a reproductive endocrinologist at KindBody. Visit KindBody.com backslash rescripted to get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Dear Infertility. I'm your host, Kristen, and I'm here today with Sammy Previtt. Hi, Sammy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So for those of you who don't know Sammy, she is a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, certified personal trainer, and the founder of Find Food Freedom, where she works with people who want to stop dieting, make peace with food, and find a sustainable way to care for their bodies and improve their health. Sammy became a mom in 2022 after three rounds of IVF. Hi again,
1: Sammy. Hello. Is it just me? Or when I hear the word mom, I'm like, I know I'm Sienna's mom, but like being a mom, I still don't believe it. I don't know if that's an infertility thing or just a mom thing.
0: I don't know, actually, because I've only ever been an infertility mom, but yeah. same, <laughs>
1: same. But
0: I have four year old twins and it never gets old. It's like, yeah. are they real? That's pretty crazy. <laughs>
1: every day I say to my husband, he's like, Sammy, I get it. I'm like, yeah, but like she's. Hours. I don't get it.
0: I don't so, have to give her back. <laughs> it's wild, wild. Well, congratulations Thank on your you. little one. How do you feel being on the other side? It's kind of bittersweet and complicated and people don't often talk about that.
1: Yeah. It's weird. I mean, definitely so much joy and so much love and you see they are truly a miracle. She was made in a Petri dish and existed outside of my body before. So it's just wild. But then yeah, there's the weird guilt that comes along with it because you made all of these connections and friends and infertility community. And of course you're all cheering for each other, but then it's like even though they're so happy for you, you automatically feel guilt. And then I feel like I've just tucked my trauma under a rug and I'm like, okay, I'll deal with you if and when we're ready to go for kid number two but like until then just sit nicely over here and I'll just pretend you don't exist so other than that doing great mm-hmm. but no it's super joyful and it really like every day just so present and grateful and I'll just like stare at her and be like you're freaking amazing
0: I always say that I think infertility made me a more present mom because mm-hmm. it so easily could have been the alternative and especially now that I haven't had successful going for third yet. It just shows me what a miracle the two that I have are like Absolutely. They so many odds in order to get here. So it's pretty cool.
1: I can't imagine having twins too. like <laughs> That is amazing. When I went through childbirth, I was like, Oh my God, like what if there were two? It's so I just, uh, you're super mom. And that's so cool.
0: Thank you. It is very cool. So before we dive into the nitty gritty, can you sort of give us a brief overview of how you sort of got to motherhood?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't even know the years because what are years anymore with COVID time, but we were trying for probably like a year and a half. And then we went straight to IVF. We had a failed IVF cycle. Our first cycle, we had zero viable embryos. Then we did two more rounds of IVF. And then that's what brought us to Sienna, who is our first and only child right now. And she was our first frozen embryo transfer and knock on wood. And it's so funny how infertility, you're like, oh, I'm one of the lucky ones. Cause I only yeah. had to do one transfer. But then when you look at all the shit you went through, it's just like funny to say that that's lucky. But in perspective, by the time we got to the transfers, I was like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. So I feel so grateful. She was our first and only transfer.
0: I think that's a really important thing to touch on. It's like this isn't the pain Olympics. It's not a competition, but for some reason, the infertility community is so amazing and supportive. But like sometimes in your own mind, you can start telling yourself, oh, well, I didn't have it as bad as some people because I only did one retrieval. And while my first transfer failed, my second one was twins. And so compared to other people, that's nothing. But at the same time, now my journey now, which has been long and grueling. So it's hard not to compare, but at the same time, It's like your grief is valid and your feelings are valid and you're the only one that knows the pain that you're feeling at that moment. So exactly.
1: And I think of the work that I do with people, healing, disordered, eating or eating disorder, I always am saying like, flip the script. If someone came to you saying they hated their body, right? Your best friend can be like, how would you support them? How would you respond to them? And it's the same thing with our infertility stories. If someone came to you with your exact story, what would you say to them? And it's like, oh, we so easy give grace and support to our friends and loved ones. But then when it's ourselves, we're like, eh, it's not that bad. It's like,
0: well, yeah, totally, totally. Negative self-talk is very real, especially when you're going through IVF, I think, because you don't always feel your best. And how did that sort of go for you? Like as a registered dietitian, personal trainer, knowing that you can't get pregnant the old fashioned way and kind of coming to terms with that and going through this, like the physical changes of IVF, how did it all go down?
1: So I feel very grateful from like a body image and physical body perspective, because I work out of the intuitive eating paradigm. So much of what we teach people and what our mission is, is To make peace with food in your body and to respect your body and to know that bodies will ebb and flow and change. So, Had I got pregnant three or four years prior when I had a really disordered relationship with my body, it would have looked really different. But I was very grateful to have the knowledge around body image and whatnot because I was very kind to myself. Now, our story was at such a weird time because we started right when COVID started. Mm -hmm. So we were all on just full-blown lockdown. So it was nice in a way because from an emotional standpoint, everyone was hiding in their homes anyways. So I was having like mental breakdowns every other day and just like crying nonstop, but like you're stuck inside. So that was nice and could wear sweatpants every day because that's where, again, I it comes back to the comparison. I can't imagine going through IVF and going to a job where I would have to wear real clothes (laughs) and button pants and stand on my feet all day and talk to other humans and not get away from them. Like I work a virtual job where I can close the computer and I can lay on the ground or I can go in my bed on a break. So that was something I was very grateful for going through the process because so much of this is so difficult and to have to put on a brave face in front of people or if you don't want people to know you're going through it. And have to act air quotes normal in a work setting. I truly don't know how people do it.
0: I had to do that the first time around and it was definitely challenging. Honestly, the biggest challenge for me was I live in Long Island and my clinic was in Long Island, but then my job was in the city. So I would have to have my husband drive me to the clinic at six 37 in the morning. And then I'd go to my appointment and then hop on the train and then go to work and then come home and go to acupuncture and all the other kind of things that we do to help increase our chances. And it was just very stressful on top of an already emotionally stressful process.
1: Yes. Yes. And I can't imagine because I did all the things, right? The acupuncture, the appointments, all of that is a full-time job. And don't get me wrong. I do work, but being able to work from home, wear my comfy pants from the waist down, just be in the comfort of your own home. It was such a privilege during my rounds of IVF to have that.
0: And I love how you said you sort of gave yourself more grace with your body and your mind this time around versus if you would have done it a couple of years back, because I feel like as someone who's also had like a disordered relationship with my body in the past, IVF was really hard on me because I felt like I couldn't do my normal workouts and I couldn't mm-hmm. move my body in the way that made me feel like I was getting a good workout in. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always been like less about food and more about overexercising, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for better or worse. And with IVF, you really can't. And then. Wow. You feel bad because of the meds, but then you also feel bad because you're not doing what you normally do to exercise. So, yeah. And was- just like the discomfort
1: of your ovaries expanding to the size of grapefruit, <laughs> yes. they walnuts, like that small <laughs> just fact, like physically, just dis- physical discomfort. But I think IVF can almost catapult people into making peace with their body because you have to, I will share one of my good friends, Nicola, her page is fat, positive fertility. She, I know her. Yes. Oh, you do. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Yeah. She's amazing. And her page is great for those who reside in larger bodies that are going through treatment. Because there is so much misinformation in the medical system in general. But then if you look at infertility, specifically, some of the things that are thrown around about weight and body image and food and all of the things. So I love Nicola's account because I think she's a great resource there, too.
0: That's such a great point. Can you sort of bust any myths for us here now or about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can, we can totally go that direction for me. I think it's just,
1: I've heard so many people say like, well, I have to lose weight first before right. I can start treatment. Mm-hmm. And again, Nicola's page at fat positive fertility. She breaks down all the research, like all of the good stuff there, but I just want anybody listening to this, no matter what size body you're in, you are worthy of fair, unbiased healthcare. And really the things that we need to be doing from a nutrition and mental health perspective when going through treatment is fueling our body, nourishing our body, not restricting it of calories and depriving it when food is literally energy that gives our body and our cells what it needs to function properly. So that's, Probably the biggest one that comes to mind for me is just giving people the permission to exist and not try to intentionally shrink their body right before they start a round of IVF.
0: Was it difficult for you? I'm just curious as a registered dietitian, knowing that food is medicine in so many ways that you couldn't get pregnant naturally. It's funny you say that. Not really. I didn't really like make
1: those connections there. I never really thought of it that way. It was just, this sucks. But Mm -hmm. if anything, it was like food has so many wonderful qualities, right? It has vitamins, it has minerals, macronutrients, all these great things, but it isn't medicine in a sense, right? Like we're like, we can't eat the air quotes, heavy air quotes, cleanest diet ever and then just get pregnant. So
0: if anything, it was like validating that. I'm so glad you said that because it, and this is one of the reasons I love your page so much, but it literally drives me crazy. And I always say this, but I do this for a living and I still fall victim to it sometimes, which is these influencers or health coaches that are saying that you need to eat a certain way or cut this out or cut that out in order to get pregnant. And it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. that's. But I'm like, but I have PCOS. (laughs) And of course there are different nutritional substitutions that I can probably be making, but it's not going to fix my infertility. No,
1: no. Thank you for bringing that up. That's a great point. It's another myth that we can bust right there. And when it comes to like eating the certain things for IVF and like, don't get me wrong. Like we know again, Food has nutrients and there's Mm -hmm. things that are more nutrient dense than others that give our bodies vitamins and minerals and fiber, et cetera. That's great, but all foods fit. We don't have to be cutting out certain ones and only eating certain ones. Like there is no research that confirms that that increases chances of fertility. And if anything, that just brings more guilt and shame into the eating experience, which is the last thing that we need Mm -hmm. going through infertility struggles is more guilt and shame and negative things.
0: It would be weird if you were on as many fertility hormones as IVF requires and didn't want to eat a giant bowl of ice cream. (laughs) Exactly. And
1: like everything. So yes, full disclosure for all of my IVF journeys, I did absolutely no cutting out of any food. The only thing was alcohol. And again, alcohol is different because that is not a necessary nutrient that we need to survive. Very different, but Other than that, there was nothing off limits. I ate what I wanted and I allowed myself to just be when it came to nutrition.
0: I love that. Such great advice. So what was the hardest part of IVF for you?
1: Oh, for sure. The like lack of control. Mm. My husband and I are both control freaks, which is really interesting for a marriage. It's taken many years to recognize how we communicate and that we're like both the alpha type A, like there's no laid back person in this marriage. So When we're thriving and on the same team, it works really well, but the lack of control and it comes with such privilege to be able to say this. I recognize I have many different privileges that I did absolutely nothing to deserve, but so much of my life, like if I wanted something, I could get it. I could figure out a way to make it, whether it was hard work, whether it was having access to resources or enough money or education or whatever it was. But this is like the one thing that you cannot control. No matter how bad you want it, doesn't matter. Infertility Mm -hmm. doesn't discriminate, doesn't care. And so I think for me, and I've said this on previous podcasts, when we went through our first round of IVF failing, as horrible and gut-wrenching as it was, it was one of the best things that's probably ever happened looking back. Because before that, like I was like, okay, we're going to do IVF. We're going to do one round. I'm going to get all these embryos. And then like it came back with none and it was horrible And we had to grieve and we had to go through all the things. But then I was like, okay, I have no control here. I have literally zero control. And that's when I started to really, my mindset shifted. I like released that control. I was just like, I just have to live my life. My first round, like everything was about IVF. Every shot, I didn't do anything. Like it was just so disordered in a way. And then I was like, all right, I got no control. And I still struggle with that. Who doesn't? I would hope think, maybe. Not that I hope other people are struggling like me, but that other people would be able to relate is what I mean there. But um, that was by far the
0: hardest for me. Change your lifestyle and improve your fertility. With Doveris' pre-pregnancy lifestyle cleanup, you and your partner can get personalized diet, supplement, product swab, and exercise guidance tailored to support your unique fertility. Plus, you can trust your plan because it's backed by over 100,000 clinical studies and developed by experts from Harvard and Stanford. Get your plan today at Doveras.com. That's D-O-V-E-R-A-S.com. I think one of the reasons infertility is so hard is that you have a dream or a vision of the way you thought your family was going to be built or just end up. I always wanted three kids. So, mm-hmm. and I'm still so stuck on that. It was, it's like, that's what I envisioned for my family. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the greatest life lesson in we really don't get a say in how life turns out, but that's a really tough pill to swallow when you've always worked really hard and like hard work equals success in so many cases, but not in this one. Yeah. But I do think, when I look back at
1: infertility and like I shared the first round failing, like I'm so grateful for what it has taught me. I don't wish it upon anyone. I'm not like happy we went through it by any means, but I look back and I'm like, it just makes sense. I understand that I needed to learn some of the lessons and I'm very grateful going into parenthood, being a mother now with that, like a little, a little lighter of a release of control because, oh my gosh, my poor daughter, if I didn't go through IVF, like if I thought I could control everything in motherhood, it's just that next stage where you're still taking those lessons you learned in infertility and applying them to motherhood. So it doesn't matter how bad you want it. And I don't know where I heard this analogy. I wish I could give the person credit. You may know, but they said to try to explain it to somebody that has kids, imagine your kid is locked in a room and you can't get to the other side of that door and you're standing outside that door. You're you're pounding it. You're trying to break it down. Like no matter what you do, you cannot get to the other side of the door. And before having a kid, I didn't know what it felt like to have a kid. But I was like, that sounds like a pretty accurate depiction. And now being a mother, that's what it feels like. Like you just want it so bad. You do anything. You're like losing your mind and you can't get to it. And you don't have control of when that door is going to open. Absolutely.
0: So I'm sure some people listening might be wondering, and I'm curious too, what did you do from the first cycle that completely failed to the second and third? Like what was different? So the first cycle, like I said,
1: completely like IVF ran my life. I lived for every shot. I didn't leave that. Well, it was also COVID. So we weren't leaving the house really for many of the cycles, but I was just, okay, I'm going to do everything right. And I'm going to control it all. And it's going to be great. And then that's it. Well, that wasn't the case. And then for the second round, we took, I want to say two months off between the two, not only to like physically rest, but then to just mentally, emotionally grieve. And I was going to therapy and I was in, I think I joined the support group before the first round, but I was in a support group, Moms in the Making, Mm -hmm. and it was just connecting with other people who were going through it because that's such a big part of healing and just not feeling alone. So talking to those friends was helpful, but the biggest things I did... From a physical standpoint, I started going to acupuncture, which I know a lot of people talk about that. And that's something like I would have done anything to go back in time and say like, okay, I'm going to do acupuncture like three years before I want to conceive and like see what happens. But I was doing acupuncture three times a week. And then I would say between therapy and yoga stretching, like mindset stuff, I just really was like repeating mantras to myself of like, you have no control. You're doing everything you can. You mm-hmm. have no control. Like and like so that was really major, my mindset. It
0: wasn't a major change in protocol.
1: No, we did a little change. We kept Menopure the same. I want to say they decreased my Gonol teensy bit. Oh, you're right. Here's another one. See, this is how long ago it is. I don't even remember. I have like amnesia. We added in Omnitrope. So like HGH. Okay. That that yes. can make a big difference too. Huge difference. Yes. Which also is a huge financial difference that mm-hmm. is expensive. Well, it's all expensive, but between the acupuncture, like I never did any acupuncture and the Omnitrope, those were the two biggies. But other than that, there was no change really in the protocol.
0: Okay, cool. That's good to know, and I agree on the acupuncture. I went through my IVF cycle too, and um, I still I just, go. Like, I literally just got back actually before we recorded. I'm, like, I, it's I've like been my going on and off too, and I really believe in it. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, just from like a mental health standpoint, it's so calming.
0: Yes, and therapy too. <laughs> yes, that too. You can never have enough. So, how has infertility affected your relationship with your husband? That's a
1: great question. Mm-hmm.
0: I would say, so I kind of shared how we're both type A control
1: type people. So we have similarities there, but differences for sure in us of how we respond to big life situations. And I think in marriage, if people don't go through infertility, and if you have kids earlier in your marriage, having kids is usually that big first thing you tackle together and go through together. So Again, I'm really thankful for infertility because it made us really put a magnifying glass over our marriage and say, Mm -hmm. how do we communicate? What do you need from me? How can I support you? And also to recognize that we grieve completely differently and that's okay as a people pleaser, but also a control freak, I would be like, wait, no, you're not grieving the right way. <laughs> like, Obviously I didn't say it like that, but like, I'd be like, wait, like, why is he acting this way? And it's like, no, Sammy, like people are responsible for their own emotions. I'm not responsible for his emotions. And like, he needs to do his healing work. So the best way to describe it is held a magnifying glass up to, okay, we need to learn how to communicate and support each other and be there for each other. And I, again, going back to like being grateful for infertility, I cannot imagine having children without going through infertility. Like how different it would be for our marriage and when hardships came up. Um, So I'm very grateful for that.
0: I can absolutely identify with that. So what advice would you give to someone that's currently in the trenches of infertility?
1: Oh, it's so hard. I think the first thing that came up for me is sit in the suck. Allow yourself to feel Everything because you're going to want to like keep life going as normal and like status quo. And you're not going to be able to do that. And you don't win an award for doing it either. So allow yourself to grieve. I think people don't realize that having to seek infertility treatments, you can grieve that alone. Even if everything went perfectly and you, your first round or whatever you have full coverage with your insurance, which we did not. Um, But if all the stars aligned, like still just having to do this Mm -hmm. is something to grieve. It's okay to not be okay. This was definitely one of the lowest points in my life. I didn't understand. I would have never understood, you know, you hear people talk about miscarriage and infertility before you go through it, but until you want to be a mom and are going through infertility, like You just can't even fathom and it's okay to not be okay and find people just like this podcast that understand what you're going through because you're not alone and connecting with others that feel the same way will really help hold space for you.
0: Absolutely. And people who haven't been through it, I think don't understand like the comments that you get too from the outside world. Like, when are you going to have kids or it'll happen, just relax or, you know, and it's so seemingly well-meaning and no one means anything by it, but it's just another layer on top of an already difficult process. Yes. It's like the toxic positivity stuff. And I'm sure you are
1: experiencing all of this right now. Like I get it all the time right now with, we only have one and they're like, oh, you're going to get like naturally pregnant now and be like, oh my God, you had to go through IVF. And I'm like, shut up. Like you literally know nothing about us. (laughs) What we've gone through. But I think people think you're magically cured from infertility once you have one child too. There's such misconception.
0: I get the complete other end, which is you have a boy and a girl, you're done. And I'm like, or you um, should be grateful. Yeah, you, you want to should be each. grateful for what you have. And I'm like, uh, I've been through a lot in the past year, but so maybe stop.
1: <laughs> and like, if you don't feel your family is complete, that is something to grieve. Sure, you can be grateful for your kids and also be very much so upset and grieving that things are going the way that they're going.
0: That's something that I just want to echo for anyone going through secondary infertility. I have a lot of guilt around even just going through this process with my two kids at home because it does take away from my ability to be present and stuff like that. But at the same time, you have this vision of how you thought your family would end up and at the same time, like your mama gut knows that you're mm-hmm. you wouldn't be doing it if it was taking too much away. And that's why I've had to take so many breaks during this process. Oh. The first time around I was so powering through because I'm like, I will do anything to become a mom. But then when it's secondary infertility, you really have to like take a step back and say like, okay, what's the best decision for me and my family as a whole, not just me and my husband. And that's really important too. It's like take breaks if you need to, no matter whether it's primary infertility, secondary infertility. Sometimes when we push our bodies too hard or you know, our mind, it's more the emotional. I always found the emotional to be so much harder, but- 100%. But yeah, it's okay to take a break. Unfortunately, fertility, it can feel like you're against the clock because of age being a factor, but mm-hmm. you want to be in the best possible mindset because it's a lot, it's grueling. Yeah. And it's so hard to be in the best mindset when you've
1: gone through so much loss, so much fear, and then to just pick yourself up again and be like, okay, time for another <laughs> transfer. Right. And it's just, it's such, um, yeah.
0: Isn't that funny though? How even after a failed cycle, you have so much hope for the next one. Like you do pick yourself up because yes, because it's like, you have kind of no choice. It's yes. like, I can't go into the cycle not having any hope. You know, I guess yes. you, you can, but I have, but it's like new cycle, new hope. And you just do it all over again. And it's seems like anti- intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so worth it
1: when it works out, but it I think it is truly like one of the hardest things any human being goes through and it's obviously just like so misunderstood. I mean it is very it is more common than we think, but it's such a small group of a population when you look at our population as a whole of who goes through it. Yeah. And it's just everyone in this community is such a warrior.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So, lastly, I always like to ask since our company name is rescripted, what would you rescript about the way people think about infertility?
1: Mm, that's such a good question. Mm-hmm.
0: Like society as a whole, not necessarily the infertility community, but just the outside world.
1: The first thing that popped up for me, having no answer prepared, is mm-hmm. with fertility treatments, it's not a choice. For all of us. And I think because we see so often in the media, like I only knew IVF for us for celebrities. I didn't yes. know anything about it before going through it. Like I knew nothing. I knew no one who went through it. So I think so many people think, oh, you're choosing that. And like, isn't it so cool? Or like your kids are frozen on ice now. And like, and don't get me wrong, like there are benefits of IVF and people who do choose it. I am all for body autonomy. And if you do choose it, but I think there's this narrative out there that if we went through IVF, we chose it. So just to, I guess, recognize that everyone's journey is so different Mm -hmm. and it's a medical diagnosis for a lot of us and we can't do anything to change that, right? We can't control it. And so for those who aren't going through it, but supporting people, just be there and listen and know that everybody's journey is so different.
0: I'm really happy you brought that up too, because with the celebrity stories, it kind of makes people think that it's a guarantee Yes. Like people are like, oh, you're doing
1: IVF. That's great. Are you going to have twins? Are you going to have triplets? Yeah. Did you put four in? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like-
0: yeah. When I had my first failed transfer, I think that's why it hit me even harder. I'm like, I'm 28 and why isn't IVF working for me? Yes. And I thought it was a guarantee. Am I ever going to be a mom? And it's just not, which I'm not saying that to scare anyone. I'm saying that because it's real. And it's important to know, cause I was the
1: same way going into it, knowing oh, it was yeah. like the celebrity thing. I was like, it's a guarantee. Like we'll pay all this money and do all this crazy shit and we'll get a kid. And then it's like, actually, no, you might not.
0: That's why I think it was so powerful when Jennifer Aniston came out and said she tried IVF and it didn't work and she was in her mid forties and it didn't end up working out the way she wanted. And she moved on because she's speaking to a whole demographic of people who that might have happened to that had no voice before, like that didn't see their story out there. It was just like, oh, that person did IVF and got pregnant with twins or so you only see the success stories usually. Exactly. So yeah, so important. Well, thank you so much, Sammy. This was wonderful. And thank you for sharing your story with us. And we'll chat soon. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Dear Infertility. We hope it left you feeling more educated and empowered about your reproductive and sexual health. Whatever you're currently struggling with, Rescripted is here to hold your hand every step of the way. If you liked today's episode and want to stay up to date on our podcast, don't forget to click subscribe. And to join Rescripted's free fertility support community, head to Rescripted.com.